Amen. God bless you. Good morning. You can be seated. I want to welcome those of you that are joining us online. We're so glad that you are. Uh, just real quick before we get started, by way of a reminder, uh, this upcoming Tuesday, 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary is our prayer meeting. Really hoping you're able to come and join with us and pray with us as well. Uh, actually really looking forward to the prayer meeting this week. So we're in James, as you know, and verse by verse we're today, chapter 5, beginning in verse 10. We left off last week in verse 9. I know that's a firm grasp of the obvious, that 10 comes after 9. So very profound, I realize. But if you're able, I'll ask you to stand. You can follow along as I read. If not, where you're seated is fine. James, by the Holy Spirit, is writing and says, verse 10, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, verse 11, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, verse 12, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, <laughs> otherwise you'll be condemned. Let's pray, if you would, please join with me. Father in heaven, we're so grateful to You for Your Word and for this time that we have together today in Your Word, but are keenly aware that we desperately need for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher this morning. The Holy Spirit has to be the one to get our attention and hold our attention so our minds don't wander. Lord, we don't want to miss anything that You have for us here in this text that's before us. So Lord, we're just going to ask, especially dealing with this topic, that You speak into our lives, as You always do and are faithful to, clearly, simply, because, Lord, we don't want for our time together today to have been a waste of time. None of us want that. So, Lord, speak. Your servants are listening, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So what I want to talk with you today about is how it is that we as Christians can actually patiently persevere in the face of suffering. I think you would agree with me that our suffering is intensifying because we've long overstayed our welcome in this world, not our home. I often think to myself, and in my time with the Lord, inquire of the Lord as to the intensity with which the suffering is increasing in this, the last hour as we know it, prior to the rapture. And one of the takeaways for me in my time with the Lord is that if things were so good down here, you wouldn't want to leave. Can I get a witness on that? <laughs> Isn't it true? Right? When things are going well, it's like, Lord, come soon. Adversity strikes, Lord, come quickly. Now, yesterday would be great. It's the hardships, it's the suffering, it's the trials in this life that loosen our grip, our ever-tightening grip on this world and the things of this world. And 
I think oftentimes God will allow the suffering, if for no other reason, to make us want to go home, because this world is not our home. It's not our final destination. Well, enter the text before us today, which is so apropos for us today, by virtue of the specificity related to our suffering in these times. Once again, I found three, three encouragements in this regard. You might find more, but no less than three encouraging examples of persevering in the face of suffering. And I love what James does here, because on the heels of everything that he's said heretofore, he's now going to draw upon the examples from the Old Testament. And he does so because this is the first letter written in the New Testament. You knew that, right? So he's not going to quote Paul, because Paul hasn't written his letters yet. So he's going to draw upon these examples, which they would have fully understood and made the connection with. And these are great godly examples of persevering in the face of suffering. And the first one is in verse 10. And it's persevering in the face of suffering for speaking the unpopular truth. Here James provides this example of patience in the face of suffering, by using the example of the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name. Now you have to understand what the role of a prophet was. Uh, prophets were not popular in that day, because they were called to prophesy and warn the people. And oftentimes these prophets, in fact, I would suggest that Every prophet died a martyr's death because they spoke in the name of the Lord and prophesied. We're seeing this with Jeremiah, by the way, on Thursday nights. We're getting to know <laughs> very well this weeping prophet Jeremiah, who is speaking the truth, the unpopular truth. And what comes packaged with that is pain, suffering, forget unpopularity, forget having nobody like you on social media, forget everybody blocking you on social media. No, there was a threat on his life. And if that weren't bad enough, it was his own family that the threat came from. So we're seeing firsthand in our verse-by-verse -verse study through Jeremiah on Thursday nights, just how unpopular these prophets were, because they were prophesying God's coming judgment. So how fitting is this, that James would use this example of the prophets persevering in the face of suffering, and suffering for righteousness sake. What is so key, and one of the things that I, I'm, first of all, the teacher is being taught. I want you to know that. On Thursday nights, Sunday mornings too. Well, what a combination, James and Jeremiah, are you kidding me? But the teacher is being taught. I am learning so much especially when it comes to this. And is this not where we're at today? Yeah. Try, try, well, I don't need to tell you to try. I already know that you're doing this, because I see your posts on social media. And I see the comments that come as a result of your posts on social media. Because you have to understand, you're, you're going against the grain, right? You post what you post, and it's unpopular, and you're persecuted as a result. And you suffer because of that. That's what James is referring to now, I realize, in our modern day. This does not compare with what the prophets suffered in their day. 
But Jesus spoke to this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning in verse 10. You know this well. This is a hard one, because He said, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then He says this, verse 11, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Be blessed. Come on, let's be honest. Someone uh, talks think about you, speaks all kinds of evil against you, falsely accuses you. Do, do you respond that way? Yay. No, I don't. So how is it? Because Jesus is not going to say to do anything without also packaging the ability to do what He's telling us to do. So that's what He says next. You're, you're being persecuted because of Me see it through that lens, and rejoice and be glad, verse 12, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Oh, well that kind of changes the complexion of it a little bit. So now you want to talk, think about me, and speak evil of me, and against me, and falsely accuse me, and insult me. And boy, if you could see my inbox, you don't want to see my inbox. I mean, some people are just downright mean, in Jesus' name, of course. And it's hard not to take it personally, and it does hurt. You know what the biggest lie ever told and put to song is? Sticks and stones may break, you already, may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Really? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can absolutely devastate me. It's been said, rightfully so, especially for those that are in any kind of ministry. You have to have the heart of a child, the mind of a scholar, and the hide of a rhinoceros. You cannot be thin-skinned. And, and, and by the way, Jesus did not, I wish He would have, but He didn't use the word if. I wish He would have said, if by chance someone might insult you, or persecute you, or speak evil. No, He says, when. I don't like that word, when, in this context. When it happens, because it's going to happen, and it does happen. But here's your response, and here's why you can respond in this way. Count it a blessing, because you have a great reward that, that waits you, and you are right up there with the prophets before you. Now let's bring Jeremiah back into the discussion, as we're getting to know this, this man of God, this prophet of God, Jeremiah. Oh, he was a sensitive guy, had a soft heart, a very meek man. And he was hurt greatly, wounded deeply, especially upon learning of his own family's plot to kill him. That, that had to just be so devastating to him. And this is early on in his 40 plus years of ministry. And God is just preparing him, and readying him, and steadying him, and warning him that they're going to hate you, they're going to want to kill you. But great is your reward, and you're doing this in My name, and you're going to be hated because of Me. And Jesus said that. Hey, the world's going to hate you. 
In fact, beware when all men speak well of you. We just got done in James learning that if you're too cushy and friendly with the world, you're an enemy of God. You're at enmity with God. You can, it's, it's spiritual adultery. You cannot, hey, if the world loves you, you got big problems. <laughs> if, if you're friends with the world, cannot be a friend of God. If you're a friend of God, then the world's going to hate you. And Jesus said, hey, don't take it personally. They hate you because of your association with me. They hate you because they first hated me. You're in good company. Hey, if I'm going to be persecuted and hated, like the Son of God, God incarnate was, bring it on. Bring on the persecution and the insults. Some of you are looking at me like, are you sure you want to say that? <laughs> Probably going to get tested on that one. I already have. I might have to get retested though. Listen to what the Apostle Peter said in his first epistle, chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. And then he says this, verse 17, For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Ah, that settles my heart. That settles my heart. Listen, I'm going to suffer. Why? I'm suffering for the sake of righteousness. I'm suffering because I'm doing that which God has called me to do. So it's a badge of honor. The second one, verse 11, this one's a little bit more difficult. Stay with me. It's persevering in the face of suffering when it makes absolutely no sense. So James goes from the example of the suffering of the prophets to Job. <laughs> I have to confess that for James to talk about Job's perseverance and the blessing that ensued stirs within me a myriad of emotions. And the reason I say that, and some of you might remember, we back in 2018 did a verse by verse study through the book of Job. And perhaps I speak for you when I say this of myself, but for me it was life changing. It, 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 it changed my life. It changed how I view suffering. The first chapter was life-changing for me. I mean, I've read it before, I know it. But when you really understand that Job's suffering would have made absolutely no sense in the realm of the logic, and that was the greatest struggle. But what changed in my life, and I know many of yours as well, is that you now view suffering because your ways are not God's ways, and you don't get the whys and the ways of God answered. See, when we started the study through the book of Job, one of the things right out of the chute that became abundantly clear in no uncertain terms is that we were not going to get answered the question of why. And that's the struggle, isn't it? Isn't that one of our greatest struggles when it comes to suffering? 
We seek peace of mind. We, we, we seek a peace that comes vis-a-vis -vis understanding. Again, stay with me. I, this is one of those places where the enemy is going to want you to kind of have your mind wander. Don't miss this, please. Please don't miss this. See, we call it peace of mind. Oh, oh, now I understand. Oh, okay. Job never got that. What's your point? My point is that a true peace will never come in that way. If the peace in your life is predicated upon your understanding of your trial, your pain, your suffering, well, at best it's fleeting and won't last. I think about James again, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you encounter various kinds of trials. And again, at first it's the absurdity of just that, but you've got to finish it. How is that even possible? Because you know what God is doing. He's, he's giving you what you need, that endurance in and through the trial that you're suffering. You, you pray, God, I, I need endurance. I need patience. And God says, okay, I'll give you endurance and I'll give you patience. Well, now would be a good time. Well, I already am. Yeah, but God, I'm in the middle of this trial. I know, that's where you're going to get the patience and the endurance, is going through it. That's what it produces. And it's also going to do this. It's going to get you to the place where you have peace, even though you don't understand. That's true peace. That's the peace that Jesus said He came to give, not as the world gives. See, the peace that the world has to offer is predicated upon everything going well in my life. Well, <laughs> if I only know peace when things are going well, I'm thinking right now, and you're probably thinking with me too, maybe a minute a month, I'll have peace, because that's about the only time that things are going well. But this peace comes when everything around you is in utter turmoil and chaos. This is a, a peace that surpasses transcends. And this is what the teacher was taught with Job's example, is that I can actually have a true and lasting peace absent my understanding of the suffering. I'll never know the ways and the whys of God. And I need to be okay with that if I'm ever to drink from the cup of joy in the midst of my suffering. Well, you know this well, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, we say it, we sing it, we memorize it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. and. He shall direct your paths, and that our translation renders it, He will make your paths straight. He'll straighten it out. Yeah. yeah, but I don't understand. Oh, good. Because if you did understand, you would lean on your own understanding. And then when you lean on your own understanding, you're not going to acknowledge me. When is it that we acknowledge the Lord? When we don't understand. Lord, I don't understand. I know, it's about time you acknowledge me. I arranged it so that you would not understand, because I haven't heard from you for a while. And oh, how about, how about this trust in the Lord with all your heart? When do we trust in the Lord with all of our heart? When we don't understand what's going on. Lord, what are you doing? Oh, looks like you might have to trust me. No, but I want to be in control. 
I want to know. I want to see. I want to understand. No, it doesn't work that way. Because see, what you're seeking is this understanding. So again, you can have peace of mind. Oh, okay, now I understand. Okay, now, now I see. Well, I guess you don't need me then. This is uh, what I call a three-in-one. We're going to have another one here coming up. But it's three things. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and don't lean on your own understanding. Three prerequisites. And if, if those three are satisfied, then God will direct my path. Because see, I've handed it over to Him. Lord, <laughs> I'm going to, this is going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how, how you're going to straighten this one out, because I've made a total mess of it myself. And, and forget trying to understand it. it. This makes absolutely no sense to me. The, the one thing about Job, and his friends were of no help, by the way. Oh, actually for seven days, when they didn't say a word, they should have, <laughs> that's, I'm not going to go back and teach Job, but that was very telling to me, no pun intended. They just sat there. They were speechless. They said nothing. The problem started when they opened their mouth. And they started accusing him of having unconfessed sin. Certainly you did something, otherwise you wouldn't be suffering this way. See, that's our own understanding. See, we've got to try to fill in the blank. And God said, well, I, that's not why. That, that's what you think is the reason why? You think you know my ways, my whys? You have no clue what's going on. You have no idea what I'm doing. But James brings up Job, and he talks about the persevering, the blessing that, that came, counted as blessed, not because he suffered, but because he persevered the suffering. That's the key word. It's not, a, it's not like God is in heaven going, watch him squirm. <laughs> no, there's a work that God is doing, and sometimes God will deem it necessary to allow that suffering, because that's the only way we're ever going to get the patience, the perseverance, and the endurance that we need. Oh, I wish there was another way. There's not. Let's talk about another three in one, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, hang on to that, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, verse 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. How are you doing so far? It's good. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Wait, the peace of God from the God of peace. I want me some of that. Well, there's a prerequisite. There's actually three. Thank God for anything, pray about everything, and worry about no thing. We've got it backwards. We worry about everything, 
We don't pray or thank God for anything. Did you know that the word think comes from the word thank and vice versa? Which is why verses 8 and 9 are there, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if I'm thinking on these things, I'm thanking God. Because if you think about it, you got a lot to thank God for. Okay, confession time. Don't look at me weird. I'm not going to confess anything insidious. Last week I had one of those days. You know what I'm talking about? Seems like they come more often these days, but just one of these days, just the, the kind of day, you're going to know what I mean when I say this, the kind of day when you want to go back to bed and start over. It's that bad. I mean, it, I, and of course being the godly, you know, man of God that I am as the pastor, my sanctification fled from me. And I found myself fretting and worrying and fear set in. And you know how our minds are so capable of manufacturing, I mean, the worst case scenario. And you start thinking, wow, if that happens, then this can happen. And then if this happens, then that can happen. And then, listen, worry and fear will take you as far down that road as you'll let it take you. And I'm, I went there. <laughs> I went all the way down that road. By the time I got to the end of it, I'm like, Oh God! And the Lord's looking at me like, what are you doing? And He snapped me back. What do you, why are you worrying about everything? You worry about nothing. You have nothing to worry about. Start thanking me. So I did. I said, I couldn't stop. Have you ever thought about how long that list is? And by the way, I'm not talking about necessarily big stuff. Thank you, God, for this. I mean, I'm talking about, thank you, God, that I have all 10 digits on my hands. Because otherwise, typing and texting would be very difficult for me. <laughs> no, thank you, God, for the little things. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And what it does is it recalibrates your mind, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And you start thanking God and thinking, slash thanking, about all of the good the things that are pure, the things that are lovely. You start thanking God for all those prayers that He answered. And for me, it was just almost, I would say within about a span of one hour, um, I had the peace of God from the God of peace, all because of this. Hey, I, I didn't tell you, nor would I, <laughs> I still don't understand. But I have peace. I still don't know why. I, I, Lord, I don't understand why, but I can still have peace. Because He knows. He knows what He's doing. Yeah, but see, our problem is we want to know what He's doing. Well, I, I would love to tell you what I'm doing, but the problem is you're finite and I'm infinite. And even if I tried to tell you, you wouldn't be able to understand it. If I even tried to answer one of your why questions, it would create 100 more, just one answer to one why question. And, and also, by the way, you don't want me to explain my ways and my whys, because then you wouldn't be walking by faith, you'd be walking by sight. 
You just trust me. Thank me. Think on these things. You know, there's research that the power of the mind is so powerful, it can affect your whole body. Worry and fear and fretting, it's devastating to the, to the body. It affects your digestive system, your, uh, your hair. <laughs> That's my story and I'm sticking with it. It affects everything, the nervous system. It's decimating to the health of the body. Well, this third one, I'm, we, we have to do this one. This one's tough too, in verse 12. But it's persevering in the face of suffering from the betrayal of a trusted friend. Now at first read, verse 12, your yes being yes, your no being no, don't swear by heaven or earth. It almost seems like it's a, you know, parenthetical verse, or James is like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, yes be yes, and, you know, like it doesn't fit. No, it, it's, it, it fits. And if you'll allow me to, I'll explain why it fits. James is speaking to this matter of keeping one's word, which in our day has become foreign, if not non-existent. You know how it is when we uh, say something to the effect of, I swear on the Bible. Why do you need to do that? Your word's not good enough. I, I, I swear on my mother's grave. Why do you got to do that? Why, in other words, you have to swear by something that has more credibility than apparently you have. There are some people that will say something like, I swear on a stack of Bibles. Wow, that's really bad. <laughs> that means you can't be trusted. No, your yes means yes, and your no means no. What do you think is going on here? Could it be that they were suffering because of this? Christians can swear on the Bible, as it were. However, Truth be made known, Christians have, as a whole, I'm speaking broadly, suffered and lost credibility. Is it any wonder? I think this rises to the level of causing great suffering, unnecessarily so, when there's this betrayal. I really don't know if it's possible to overstate just how devastating the betrayal of trust can be when you're the one that's betrayed. Someone gave you their word, and then they go back on that word. And then here's the problem, to add insult to injury, one can allow a root of bitterness to germinate and sprout, which always leads to an ensuing bitter fruit. And here's the thing, it works both ways when it comes to bitter betrayal. And I can't think of a better example than David with Ahithophel. Let me draw your attention to Psalm 41.9, then I'll give you the backstory. David, speaking of Ahithophel, who it is said when he spoke, it was as the oracles of God. This was David's most trusted advisor. 
And he writes, even my close friends, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. What happened? Why did he turn on, on David? Bitterness. What do you mean? How does a guy go from being David's most trusted advisor to now plotting with Absalom, David's son, to not only unseat him as king, but to kill him? Ahithophel felt betrayed, because Bathsheba was his granddaughter. And he never forgave him. And he felt betrayed by him. But God forgave him. God restored him. So here Ahithophel sits just fuming and stewing, just waiting to mete out revenge. And when Absalom calls him, he's waiting by the phone. Hey, we're going to, we've got a coup formed. I've got a lot of people on my side. You want to join me? I'm there. Name the time and the place. And it's a very interesting account, because Ahithophel advises Absalom on the best way to kill David. And if Absalom would have taken Ahithophel's advice, but God did not allow that, obviously, it would have worked. Well, anyway, he ends up taking his own life. That's how bad it got. But think about that. I wonder how many maybe here today or watching online or suffering the painful betrayal of a trusted friend. I want to encourage you with these examples that James writes by the Holy Spirit here for us today. You can persevere in the face of that suffering many before you have. And God is faithful. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, you've lost a lot of friends because you've spoken the unpopular truth, and you've been banned and blocked and ostracized. Yeah, you're going through something right now that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. You can persevere in the face of that. Yeah, you've been betrayed and hurt in an unspeakable way. You can persevere in the face of that too. How? It's the how of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do the what of the Holy Word. The Holy Spirit is the Comforter the Helper, God in us, empowering us, enabling us, leading us into all truth. It's that dunamis, that where we get the English word dynamite. It's, a, it's the power. Because see, in and of ourselves, we don't have that strength or that power to persevere in the face of suffering but God, who indwells us, enables us, empowers us to persevere. I'm going to close, but I, maybe this is for somebody here watching online, a, a word fitly spoken for you. Your situation right now is so impossible by God's design so that you can witness in the realm of the supernatural, 
the miraculous hand of God, do what He could not otherwise do, had it not been for that situation being so complex, so impossible, so unbelievable, so difficult. You're going to taste from a cup that few do. You're going to know Him more intimately than most ever will because of it. And while you'd never want to have to go through it again, on the tail end of it, you'll never trade what God did for anything, as painful as it was, as difficult as it seemed. And you're going to learn in and through this, what it really means to trust God with all your heart, not half-hearted. Yeah, I trust the Lord. <laughs> By the way, Thursday night, Jeremiah 17, it's also communion. Uh, we're going to talk about, in fact, I titled it, spoiler alert, <laughs> Do I really trust God? Am I really trusting in the Lord? Or am I trusting in my own heart, which Jeremiah, inspired by the Spirit, says, is deceitfully wicked? You can't even know it. Oh, but you got a good heart. No, you don't. You got a deceitfully wicked heart. Yeah, I'm not going to preach Jeremiah's Bible study right now, but just real quick. Um, how do I say this without, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just say it. You can believe your own lies. Your heart will lie to you, and you'll believe it. Your heart is deceiving you. You're, or, you're, or you're trusting in your, in your I'm just going to trust Him. Follow my heart. Don't follow your heart. It's deceiving you. It's leading you down the wrong path. It's deceitfully wicked. Our hearts are so corrupt and so deceitful that we can deceive ourselves. It's called being self-deceived. So my heart is like telling me this thing, and I'm going, okay. It's lying. You lie. You look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I, I'm looking at the biggest liar I know in my life. Me, my heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You're going to learn. And, it's not, and never imagine God saying, I'm going to teach you a lesson, make you suffer until you learn the lesson. No. It's more like this. I'm allowing this because you're lacking. And I don't want to see you. I love you so much. I'm going to give you what you're lacking. And the only way I can give you what you're lacking is by allowing this trial, because you lack the endurance, you lack the patience, you lack the perseverance. So how am I going to give you that patience, that perseverance, that endurance in and through the trial? You, you have some trust issues. You're, ha you're having, you, don't, you really don't trust me. Well, I'm going to allow something into your life where you're going to have to trust me. And you're going to be glad you did, because you can trust me. And also when, this is the last thing I know I said already, I was going to close. This will be my final closing. But that peace that you so long for, man, I'll tell you, when, when you taste and see that the Lord can be trusted, that the Lord is good, and you drink from that cup of joy and peace, you are ruined. Well, how else am I going to taste from that cup? By drinking from the cup of suffering, because that's where it comes. 
that's how it comes. And you're lacking, and I want to give that to you, and this is how I'm going to give it to you. You're going to make it. You're going to persevere in the face of whatever the suffering is, at the hands of whoever <laughs> has caused the suffering. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. And you know what I'm talking about. You'll see. Why don't you stand? Capone, come on up. Father in heaven, I, uh, I did my best again. I'm going to just leave it now to the Holy Spirit to do the rest. And oh Lord, this is um, one of those places in your Word where, I mean, you've really gone to great extents to inspire James to remind us about the suffering of the prophets before us the unspeakable suffering of someone like Job. And then to talk about getting really personal suffering at the hands of someone who's betrayed trust. Lord, I pray that that perseverance that you inspired James to write about will become real in our lives. It's a promise. You promise, so you can't go back on your promise to us. So Lord, so be it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.